WFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Welcome to EFL All Access on Talk Sport 2. Leicester ran riot in Blackburn to move to the top of the championship this weekend. Blackburn Rovers won Leicester City 4. It's a route for the away side now. Absolutely brilliant goal. Worked well down the left-hand side. And Keenan Dewsbury Hall got in behind the back line. And as the goalkeeper came out, he just dinked it over the top and it found its way into the back of the net. Preston's impressive start hit the buffers. They were beaten 4-0 at home by Carlos Corberan's West Brom. I can analyze what has happened today in the past and what we know is that in the championship every point is going to be very tough to play. And as soon as you relax a little bit, as soon as you don't compete in the level that you have competed, you are not going to achieve the result that you want to achieve. And on Friday night, Sheffield Wednesday's form continued to plummet as Sunderland put three past them. Jack Clark comes forward and sticks it in the bottom corner again. And the boos ring around Hillsborough in trouble on and off the field. Sunderland cruising the victory here. We'll cover all the big talking points from Leagues 1 and 2 with big results, loads of goals, even more to discuss with the former Arsenal, Southend and Stevenage midfielder Adrian Clark. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Well, what a weekend it was. More great stories, loads of goals, which we wanted. Second weekend in a row, over 100 goals in the EFL. So plenty for us uh, to talk about with Adrian Clark. Adrian, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Hugh. Yeah, really good. Really good. It was it was an exciting weekend, wasn't it? Loads of, loads of good away performances. Um, mm-hmm. Big wins, weren't there, for Stoke, Swansea, Borough, Coventry needed a win as well. So... Yeah, it was um, yeah, very, very exciting. And I've got to say, since the last time we've spoken, happy birthday, belated, uh, albeit. <laughs> uh, how did you celebrate? Did you get yourself to a game or was it, you know, a little bit of more subdued birthday? Well, I, I pulled out a five-a-side, believe it or not. I kind of <laughs> wanted, wanted to play, but I thought I'd better, better, better go out for dinner with Mrs. Clark. And it, it, we had a lovely steak. It was uh, very, very nice. But yeah, look, muted celebrations at my age here. Sensational, sensational. <laughs> Big one not too far away anyway. But we'll move on swiftly and get into the football, uh, Adrian, with Blackburn 1, Leicester City 4. Leicester making it four straight championship wins in a row. Um, at Ewood Park, Sunday afternoon, the wind puts the Foxes to the top of the championship they go above Ipswich and Preston that result drops Blackburn down to 18th before we get into it let's hear from the victorious Leicester boss Enzo Maresca I just said probably the most important win today since we start uh, I was a bit worried because of the opponent they they are very good probably in terms of the way they play the best team we face until today complicate uh, opponent because sometimes the winger outside, sometimes inside, the fullback sometimes outside, sometimes. So it's uh, it's difficult to have a game plan off the ball, the way you want to press, because they move a lot. And I was a bit worried, and as I said, probably the best win uh, since we start. The game, uh, probably off the ball, the last half an hour, we were much better. Uh, the first 10 minutes, second half, we drop, then we start. Uh, again, in the way we, we prepare the game. And on the ball, we had some good moment, but probably the goal we concede, we lost a bit confidence because after, I don't know, five minutes, ten minutes, I don't know, was the when they draw. And to concede a goal in that way, probably you lost a little bit confidence, but uh, we need to learn and keep it going. 
about Fez at scoring the early goal before Sammy Smodic equalised for Rovers. After that, all one-way traffic for Enzo Maresca's uh, team. And you've got to say, uh, it was actually quite interesting to hear Maresca recognise what Blackburn tried to do to their opponents. And, and you've got to give credit to John Dahl Thomason. It doesn't work every single weekend, but you can mm. tell there are clear tactics and patterns of, of play that he tries to, uh, if you like, impress upon his players. So for, for Maresca and his players to identify that and put in the performance that they did, scoring goals in the fashion that they mattered as well, makes you think that if they can do that weekly, um, this one's going to be a foregone conclusion, Adrian. Well, yeah, they look the real deal, don't they? Leicester City. Yeah, he, he's right. It's a, it's a difficult fixture. Tactically, he, he's got a little bit of variety. John Dale Thomason, he puts players in different positions. There's good movement. But the bottom line is that although they score a lot of goals, Blackburn, they concede plenty too. And, and Leicester were just too sharp for them in and around the box. I loved the Jamie Vardy goal. I've Great got to goal. say, Hugh, uh, it was vintage, wasn't it? Mm. It's a goal we've seen many, many times over the years. But I, I really enjoyed Wilfred Ndidi's part in it, mm. breaking forward at pace and then uh, squaring it quite brilliantly into Vardy's path. He's, this is a guy that's been pretty poor, really, for the last couple of years, Ndidi. Looked look like a player that wasn't enjoying his football wall now. He really is under yeah. Maresca and, and he, he, I think he's really enjoying the freedom um, and the licence he's been given to to run forward. And, and he looks a top player again, indeedy. Uh, I, I like the way that Jamie Vardy, when he, he handed him his Man of the Match trophy, called him you Sabby, basically a bit of pigeon there, um, basically <laughs> saying that you're, you're basically, you're him, you're the man. Um, mm. <laughs> but ultimately, I think Jamie Vardy is also coming back to the fore. I know, you, I know, you, you talk about the finish, and Wilfred indeed he played fantastically well. But four goals in the last six for Jamie Vardy. I don't think. Look, we know what talent he's got. He's shown it during his career, and yet the body'd been letting him down, hadn't it, for for quite a while in the Premier League. Couldn't keep himself out there long enough. The only question mark now is he, he's producing, of course, four goals in his last six. Mm. Do you play him Tuesday, Saturday as well? Or do you, do you have to kind of keep him wrapped up in a little bit of cotton wool? It's a good question. I, I think only Jamie or, or Enzo Maresco can really answer that in terms of how he's feeling, how quickly he recovers. One thing I know about Jamie Vardy is that he will work 24-7 to make sure he recovers quickly. I know he's got all the equipment at home and he will want to play because he's banging form and Leicester are a better team when Jamie Vardy is leading the line and when he's on form um, no doubt about it when you think about his pace and then you've got Mavadidi and Fatawu either, either side and then you then you've got Ndidi and, and Dewsbury Hall coming mm. coming in from the sort of infield pockets it's it's quite formidable really that the firepower they've got he might be rested he might be rested because they've got Ian Acho yeah. they've got Patson Daka who didn't even come off the bench. Connor Cody, unused sub again this week. This weekend, <laughs> their squad power is immense. So I do expect, I'm at that game for TalkSport 2 with Ian Danta and really looking forward to it. Even though they were great at Blackburn, I, th- I think he'll rotate three or four players at least. Well, let's talk about Leicester's opponents in midweek. Preston North End beaten 4-0 at home by West Bromwich Albion. Their first defeat of the championship season. Darnell Furlong, Alex Moat, uh, Matt Phillips and Carl Bartley. A seriously impressive performance from the Baggies. I was there to witness it. I mean, it was like they were playing a team. I I hate to say it because Preston had a fantastic start, but it was like they were playing a team from the division below. They just looked like 
they didn't have any real ideas going forward and they mm. just defended and that was the thing that was kind of most unlike them. Mm. It was just such weak defending at times and a couple of the goals I had to turn to Preston fans and just say that was that was too easy. You just don't expect to see it at this level. No, no, you're right. It was a big off day. They've been excellent without the ball. So it, it came from nowhere, really, this performance. Jordan Story certainly won't won't remember it fondly. He was kind of involved in a couple of the the concessions. But even though Preston were below path, I'd rather credit West Brom, Carlos Corbran, um, who changed the way that they set up with, with Jeb Wallace up front in the kind of a, like a, a roving false nine type role. Well, it worked brilliantly, didn't it? And all the all the players fed off it outstandingly well, came at Preston North End from different angles, maybe a little bit less predictable than they have been with a with a proper centre forward, so to speak. And yeah, that that, that what a what a morale boosting win it is for them. I also think the selection of Alex Mowat was a big one. They've had sort of two really deep lying central midfielders this season. They don't get in the box enough. And I think obviously Malumbi came out for this week and and Moet came in and it's surprise, surprise, he makes a run into the box. No one's expecting it and he tucks it away for a finish. So yeah, good day for Carlos Corbran. I did enjoy your question to him um, on, on the ITV show when you said he was looking a bit pensive ahead of the interview. There was no need to, to look so pensive, was there? Because no. that was a brilliant performance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he's always looking like that though, isn't he? He's just there's yeah. a, You rarely see the smile even after a 4-0 uh, victory <laughs> and we certainly didn't see Ryan Lowe smiling after that one mm. they weren't at their best as you pointed to already mm. do you feel in any way that there is a bit of a wake-up call in the previous two games the draw with Rotherham mm. this defeat to West Brom because they've got to go to Leicester in midweek they then mm. go to Ipswich at the weekend we're going to learn an awful lot about where this Preston side really are this week yeah, we are. I don't think it was a wake-up call. I, th- I think that they were they, they enjoyed a great start to the season. Maybe the fixture list was a, was a little bit kind to Preston North End. I was at the Rotherham game, and they were the better side by miles. You know, they, they didn't really give any chances away, and and they looked really sharp going forward. Actually, but yeah, against West Bromwich Albion, that, that that didn't happen. But they do have ability in forward areas. Osmajic is a is a machine, you know, physically, and I think he could come good. You got Will Keane, who featured, you know, he was on mm. the bench at the weekend. He'll he'll probably come back in. I, I suspect that Ryan Lowe, on the back of this, will make changes. I think he'll freshen up his lineup and just say, "Look, I know you boys have, have done great for me so far, but I'm going to just change things up again for for the for the Leicester game and, and yeah. see if he can find." a new formula. There was just something about the involvement of the wing-backs in the game that I, while I was in the stadium watching it, thought they could just get a little bit more out of pots on one side. Mm -hmm. I think it was Millar on the other, where Mm -hmm. they just weren't linking up with the kind of inside midfielders, inside forwards enough during the game. They were receiving it probably too deep for what Ryan Lowe wants them to contribute. That Mm -hmm. meant that they couldn't really deliver into the forward players in a kind of attacking sense so their players could maybe get themselves in at goal. Um, and they ended up playing backward a little bit too much. And that, listen, that that is credit to West Brom in, in many ways. But again, I think the major concern for him will be how they defended a number of their situations. Mm. Uh, big concern for Sheffield Wednesday and their defending after the 3-0 defeat by Sunderland, who are three up after 31 minutes here on TalkSport 2 on Friday night. Uh, problems off the pitch as well, as we know, and they kind of escalated on the pitch. Dan Ballard strike, a brace from Jack Clark, who was absolutely brilliant. 
saw all three points return to Wearside. Before we mm. get to some of the difficulties of Sheffield Wednesday, let's start with the brilliance of Sheffield, excuse me, of Sunderland and Jack Jack Clark in particular. Yeah, no relation to me, but he is he is a very, very good winger. Except he for the way he plays super. the game, Adrian, come on. Yeah, well, we weren't dissimilar, I've got to say. <laughs> yeah, I like coming in off the left. And um, I, I thought it was a magnificent run and shot where he, he drove at the defence, chopped inside. You can look at the defending and say, somebody's got to put a block in there. But the way he whipped it into the bottom corner was pure class. And he's been doing this for over a year now, Jack Clark. Remember, he was at Leeds, he burst onto the scene, got a big move to Tottenham, and we never saw him. And his career was was sort of going off the rails, but he's he's found a new home at, at Sunderland, and whew, he is loving it under, under Tony Mowbray. So, yeah, long may that continue. Um, it was good to see Ballard score as well, former Arsenal youngster. And, I mean, yeah, the, the defending from Diaby, man-to-man inside the box, was was lame if I, if I'm being kind to him. So so yeah, it was a little bit of a gift for Sunderland, but you've got you've got to say that this is a team that can score goals against yeah. anybody, home or away, which means they're going to win a lot of games this year. And if they win a lot of games, they've they've got every chance I think of being in the playoffs. Now we've got to talk about Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, it all started on Friday with things off the pitch and the statement from from Dapon Chan series suggesting that he wouldn't put any more money into the club. Yes. I understand where he's coming from, where he says the abuse of me and my family has crossed the line and we don't want to see that in football whatsoever. But to tell your fans that they should essentially be grateful when you're bottom of the league, when the manager that got you promoted has left the club, and look, we know there's a debate from both sides on that, but ultimately that's the reality. Mm. And the results are not coming at this point in time. For Zisco mm. Munoz, who's under, well would usually be under huge pressure, but it seems like Dapon Chansiri is more distracted with his public uh, persona and how people view him than he is with a football club at this point in time. Yeah. And that cannot be helpful for the players who go out there on the pitch every week. No, it's definitely not helpful. Look, he won't sack him because he doesn't want to pay him up. He doesn't want to, sp- mm-hmm. he doesn't want to spend any more money, Chansiri. Um, the fans are understandably disappointed. Well, they haven't really had that much of a relationship with Chansiri down the years, even though they got promotion last year. He's never been loved, I don't think, at Hillsborough. Um, yes, he's put a lot of money into the club, but but it's still a lot of things, you know, where they're, they're behind their rivals. Um, there's a disconnect, isn't there, between the supporters and, and the ownership of, of the football club. So I, I hope that he will quickly identify a buyer, you know, somebody that, that can take new ownership of the club and, and move it forwards because, yeah, we've seen so many of these outbursts now. And and from the fans' point of view, they're just looking at it and thinking, well, we had Darren Moore. And Darren Moore did a good job of sort of stabilising that unhealthy relationship between the supporters mm. and, the, and the owner. But he, he just kept a steady ship, didn't he? Cisco mm. Munoz is, is struggling. Um, and that's that's his man. It's the one he appointed in place of Moore. And, it, and it's going really badly. So... Yeah, the sooner they can move on and, and get somebody new in charge, that would be fantastic for Wednesday. But hand on heart, I just don't think this team is good enough to survive the drop this season. I think they're in big trouble. Well, they go to West Brom tomorrow night, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, which, given the evidence of the weekend, is going to be a very, very mm-hmm. tough match. But I can't even begin to imagine what the atmosphere may be like if they lose that match 
and Huddersfield and Darren Moore come to town on Saturday and take all three points. It could be very vitriolic. So listen, for fingers crossed, for those Sheffield Wednesday fans, for Daypon Chan Siri, that they come to some kind of you know mutual agreement on the way forward from this point for. Uh, listen, we, we are going to have much more from the Championship League 1 and 2 when we return. We'll talk a little bit about Darren Moore's Huddersfield, but also big wins for Southampton, Middlesbrough and Cardiff too. You're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18 plus. Online by the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hello, good evening. This is TalkSport 2. I'm Hugh Wozencroft alongside the former Stevenage midfielder Adrian Clark, and you're listening to EFL All Access. Hello, if you're just joining us, we are rolling. Let's continue our conversation about the championship next, and we'll go with a game which was split. Huddersfield won, Ipswich Town won. I don't think many were expecting this. The way that Ipswich had been playing a four-game winning streak in the championship coming to an end at Darren Moore's strong start, if you like, continuing just his second game in charge of Huddersfield, of course. It means Ipswich missed the chance to move to the top of the championship. Huddersfield 17th. Two draws for Darren Moore in his opening two games. And it was almost a bittersweet afternoon, Adrian, because Brandon Williams' goal on 87 minutes meant the great work that Huddersfield had done during the afternoon was kind of cancelled out. It will really be interesting to see how they fare at Birmingham next. But ultimately, I think you, you, you take from this, you know, Darren Moore has something to work with and it's been a, a decent start. Yeah, it's definitely been a decent start. I think that on paper, the squad is... One of the weaker um, outfits in the division, but certainly not the worst. And and in this match, they acquitted themselves great. They were very confident. They they created chances against a, a strong Ipswich team. And I think the the man of the match was the Ipswich keeper, Haladki. So that that tells you plenty about about how he got a tune out of the players, uh, Huddersfield. Maybe you know what it's like with a new manager. Sometimes you you try that a little bit harder to impress especially if he gives you the license to try things. I think Darren Moore is a little bit like that. So, yeah, good, good signs of life for sure about Huddersfield, but yet they didn't win ultimately. And and I think the the key moment in the game was, was Ipswich's power off the bench with Kieran McKenna. He's got such depth now, you mm-hmm. know. Dane Scarlett came on. I think Freddie Ladapo, Jack Taylor, who spanked one in the top corner the other day, Marcus Harness, you know, four top players came on when they were chasing that equaliser and lo and behold, they eventually got it. Um, yeah, so yeah, Ipswich are, uh, are a serious outfit this season. Not an easy week for Ipswich. Hull City next, Hull in fifth at the moment. Mm. We know uh, Preston have had a good start despite their hammering at the weekend, if you like. Um, but it will be in- intriguing to see how they move on from this as well. Look, mm. it- it's not a defeat, um, clearly, but you know they're not going to have everything their own way in every game. No, of course they're not. No, uh, and he might have to rest and rotate. I know Sam Morsey missed this game. He's quite a big loss. Harry Clark had to come off injured. So what happens is, as you you get into the Saturday Tuesday cycle, is you start to pick up injuries, and that's where he, he's got to make some some awkward decisions, McKenna. But as I said, the squad's quite deep. He's got a big call to make about his goalkeeper, Hugh, because Ladkey has been excellent so far this season. Even though he's let in a few, he's, he's by and large been been busy and very, very impressive. Well, Christian Walton was the number one last year in that brilliant promotion campaign. He injured himself in pre-season. He's now fit. 
So mm. what does he do, mm. Kieran McKenna, in the coming weeks? So look out for that. Who who takes up the place between the sticks for Ipswich Town? Let's talk about Southampton next. They beat Leeds United three goals to one. What was probably the biggest fixture of the weekend? Uh, their first league game uh, with a three-one win over Leeds. Um, and it was important for them, wasn't it? Uh, halted Leeds unbeaten run. The victory means Southampton are up to 10th, just one place below Leeds United. Uh, bravery, intensity, goals of real quality. This is Russell Martin, who thought the game uh, was a lesson to his young players about what they are capable of. Seems like we've lost Adrian for the moment. Uh, we'll try and get. Oh no, to... I'm still. I'm oh, here. I'm hi, Adrian. Here. Sorry, there was, you're right. There was no question, Adrian. So it's my fault, <laughs> not yours. Um, <laughs> and um, but but my point is, you know, it was a learning experience for the young players of Southampton this weekend. That's what Russell Martin took from mm. it. Do you yeah. agree? That's the question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, playing under pressure is it, and coming through it is is a valuable learning exercise isn't it for the for the players which you know i've been very critical of, of russell martin and and the the plan a is the only way well he is adapting i think there there, there are less passes now they're not making a thousand a game now and um, there, there are a few more longer passes there's a little bit more penetration about them so that so i think they have adapted and in this and in this game that paid off brilliantly against an unusually flat lead i don't know what what was up with them but um but my takeaway from the game is the quality of the goals. You cannot deny that Southampton don't have good players. You know, the first one, Walker-Peters, what a pass in behind for Armstrong, who then does a lovely little dink over the keeper. That was class. Suleimana, who was probably the mm. man of the match, um, sets one back for Smallbone, great finish. Um, and then Suleimana again fizzes a brilliant ball into Armstrong between defenders. And then he goes and does a little mazy dribble and, and a finish across the keeper. They were great goals. Um, I think Suleimana is a player that that might come to the fore in the coming weeks. When you've got a team of passers and and players that are really technical, you need someone that's got that speed to to run in behind and to stretch opponents. And and he is rapid. I think he was up there in the Premier League top speed stakes last season. Suleimana, um, if he can stay fit and avoid suspension like he had one recently, then he can become a big player in the Championship. Yeah, yeah, okay. Very good weekend uh, for Southampton. By the way, Daniel Farker, uh, after four clean sheets in a row before this weekend, very unhappy with the way that his side defended. Uh, but as we know from those four weeks, you know, they can play a lot better. Don't think there's any drama in that regard. Just didn't go their way away at St. Mary's. Uh, Middlesbrough won on the road away at Watford. Two wins on the bounce. In fact, they've won three of the last four. It was a 3-2 victory at Vicarage Road. That moves them up to 21st, a place below Watford in 20th. We're going to talk really about the two managers here, uh, mm. I think, because Michael Carrick was under great pressure um, and his side have really come through for him in recent weeks. Massively important. Yeah, he he was really confident when results weren't going mm. so well. I, I wasn't as confident because they weren't defending well. But what what's happened, and this is really, really important, is he's gone back to last year's players. And lo and behold, they're, they're, they're delivered. So what happened here is that he, he brings in a, a bunch of new signings, unproven, not a lot of experience in the championship. And he puts them all in at once. And I think on reflection, that was maybe a mistake. It was asking too much of them. 
So, so what he's done the last uh, two or three games is is take most of them out of the firing line and bring back guys like Riley McGree and, mm. and Josh Coburn that's been there before and, and and others too and and it's clicked and and suddenly they're now playing with more confidence. So now is probably the time to to bring back some of those new faces, albeit off the bench, because they they'll now be playing for a team that's far more confident. But yeah, Riley McGree has been. A revelation, yeah. Since he came back into the, he's on the bench, yeah, yeah. In the early weeks, and you think you look at his performances, like the one at Vicarage Road, and you think, well, what was he doing on the bench? Such a key Absolutely. player last season as well. So it was strange yeah. to see him on the bench. Yeah, it was superb. I mean, a brilliant assist where he, he does a Cruyff turn to get away from Delhi Bashiro in the middle of the park, and then he um, that was Johnny Housen actually who did the Cruyff turn. Mm. Then he slips in McGree for for a really good goal and. And then Dieng played a played a part in McGree's um, other goal as well. It was a great move from back to front. So no, it was a terrific result for Borough. They can certainly look upwards now and think, right, we'll get ourselves back into mid table and and work from there. For Watford, it's it's not great. And I mean, I didn't watch the whole ninety minutes of this, but the bits I saw, the central midfield was was so open, just just not good enough really for from Watford's point of view. Valerian Ishmael, their manager, uh, his thoughts might now lean towards the fate of some of his predecessors, uh, maybe notably Rob Edwards last season, only lasted 11 games into Mm. September of last season. He had three wins in 10 league matches. Valerian Ishmael is now on two wins from nine with a trip (laughs) to Sunderland on Wednesday night. So it's something looming once again at Vicarage Road. Good luck. Yeah, good luck with that one. It's, it's a tough game as well, isn't it? Sunderland away. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what the situation is at Watford at, at the moment. It, it feels like there's less noise from mm. the ownership. Mm. It, you know, I don't know what, what Watford fans would, would want more. You know, do they want them to be a little bit more hands-off or would they be concerned that the ownership are losing interest? Obviously, they've been out of the Premier League now for a couple of years. So, yeah, I'm not saying they are losing interest, but but the fact that there doesn't seem that much heat on the Ismail is is unusual for Watford. Uh, maybe they're tired of of paying up head coaches at the start of each season, but he he could do with some wins. And and a, a few of the Watford fans that I know actually have been pleasantly surprised by the football. They were dreading it. They thought yeah. it was going to be all long balls and long throws. But he he has actually got Watford playing some some decent decent football. It's just not winning football at the moment, unfortunately. We shall see if he can get the result that maybe relieves a little bit of what what, what I will call pressure. Let's call it that <laughs> uh, for now. Uh, okay, listen, a little bit more to come. Uh, there will be a kind of conversation around the championship next, but it more involves the Premier League's money and who it should come to across the EFL. That's next. You're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org.
DAB Plus online via the Talksport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on Talksport Two. This is EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Thank you for being with us. I'm Hugh Wizencroft alongside Adrian Clark, the former Arsenal midfielder. Before we dive into League One, there is one story I wanted to ask you about, uh, Adrian. The Rotherham mm. owner, Tony Stewart, describing the Premier League's offer of an extra £358 million over three years as an insult to the EFL. According to draft proposals revealed on Thursday, clubs in the Championship, League One and League Two, would receive an extra £88 million this season, £101 million next season, and an extra £169 million the season after that. But that equates to just 14.75% of the Premier League and the EFL's combined net media revenue, and that is significantly below the 25% that the EFL is looking for. So, is the EFL, is Tony Stewart right to be asking for much more? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it sounds like a lot of money, still, to me, anyway. Um, but but if 25% is is the target that, that most clubs have agreed on in regards to negotiations, then, then they've got to aim to get closer to it. Maybe we'll settle on something a little bit closer to 20 percent um you know the premier league do spend a lot of money on various things you know they do rubbish players field... you can say adrian <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yes premier league clubs do but um they they do spend a lot of money on on helping the grassroots game that maybe they don't mm-hmm. shout enough about that that's all i'll say they, they are involved in a lot of ventures um you know they're not there to to solely prop up efl clubs that said the big argument and i do agree on this is that parachute payments are holding things back. Now, mm. parachute payments go to the three relegated sides and they are massive, yeah. massive amounts of money. If they were vastly reduced, and I mean slashed, mm. then it would free up a lot more money and they'd get much, much closer to that 25% that, that they're after. So for me, parachute payments need to go or at least be you know slashed. I, I, I would slash it by three quarters. And, and and give them 25% of what they currently receive yeah. relegated clubs because it, it distorts the championship. It, it's so hard for other teams this season to compete with, with Leicester, Southampton and Leeds mm. because they, they just pocketed loads of free money. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, you know, those sides that are in the Premier League, you know, they need to budget. Everyone should. in a If you're in a league where you could get relegated, that needs to be part of your budgeting. That needs to be part of your accounting. You can't pretend at the end of a season where you've gone down that we didn't see it coming. And so we now need to be helped out to the tune of 60 million, then 40 million, then 20 million the season after that. And we definitely need something that's more equitable in the EFL. The question is, should it be 25%? For me, we have so much money in the Premier League. You know, when you talk about percentages, people will say, well, 25 is a high percentage. Mm. But the 75% that Premier League clubs will keep will still make them wealthier than every other major league in Europe. That's the size of their um, broadcasting deals across the globe. So the Premier League is not going to be pleading poverty if it gets to 25%. And and I think you're right. There'll There'll be something in the middle where we can say we can shake hands on. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're, they're not going to be hard up. That is for sure. And we do want to protect the py- pyramid system. It, it it is what makes English football mm. 
what it is and and the strength we have is so many of the players in the Premier League, so many of the top players yeah. that, are, that are delivering for the for the clubs in in the in the Premier League came through at, in the EFL clubs. Yeah. So you know you need it there, you really do. So it's about prote- you're protecting um, something that will will help you in the long run too. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Okay, let's dive in uh, to the football once again and head into League One. Wigan 1, Portsmouth 2, hard-fought win away at Wigan for John Massinho's side. They stay top of the league. They also fell behind uh, early on before Regan Paul equalised after Moshe Godo uh, had put um, had put Wigan ahead. Uh, then Paddy Lane fired home, but it got worse for the Latics. Charlie Wyke dismissed for a challenge on Marlon Pack. That leaves Portsmouth a Point clear at the top. Their unbeaten start intact. Wigan down in 22nd. Would you call it a great result for Portsmouth away at home against the 10 men? It's a good result. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good result. Wigan have got, got some excellent players and they would be in the mid-table but for the points deduction. So, yeah, no, it's a terrific result. They're, they're 21 league matches undefeated now. Mm. That's, that's almost half a season. Obviously... Is going across the back end of the previous campaign, but twenty-one undefeated in a division that is, you know, pretty evenly matched in many regards is is an outstanding achievement by a rookie manager as well, mm. who's remolded the team this summer. Lots and lots of new players, and uh, they look solid. I've got to say, they do look solid. A little bit of stardust in there, obviously, with Colby Bishop up top and. Yeah. Alex Robertson, who's on loan from Manchester City, 20s, playing in the number 10 role. They are raving about him down at Fratton Park at the moment. And Paddy Lane, who I, who first caught my eye, I think, at Fleetwood, he scored some absolute worldies for them, smashing them in from all angles. Well, well, he's at Portsmouth now and, and he's in good goal-scoring form as well. So, mm-hmm. and, and he got the winner here with a really nice controlled volley. So, yeah, look, Pompey fans, I don't think they're perfect. They're, Maybe haven't got enough goals in the side consistently. They they keep winning by one goal, you know, winning mm. tight games. Um, they could do with a, a bit more firepower. But that aside, they look very strong. Uh, elsewhere, the big game, second beating third, Oxford overcoming Stevenage at the Lamex. Greg Lee's brace, a strike from captain Elliot Moore, enough for the three points. Uh, Jamie Reid had put Stevenage uh, in front early on. Oxford in second, a point off the leaders, Portsmouth, with a game in hand as well. Stevenage third, three points off Oxford now. Steve Evans, the Stevenage boss, said afterwards, no complaints, uh, we missed big chances, we didn't defend the opposition well enough. But interestingly, uh, I think he's trying to get a reaction out of his players, but he was pretty strong in his defence where he said two or three of my defenders were as poor as I've ever seen them individually. Yeah, well, you've got to push those buttons sometimes. He's a hard taskmaster. I don't think there'll be a Stevenage player shocked Mm. at their manager digging them out. It's not as if he's never done it before. So um, I think you, you know the what you've got to deal with as a player if you play for Steve Evans, who is doing an amazing job, I've got to say. Not a fan of the style of management particularly, but but he's building, he, he knows how to build a team yeah. and, and that team is excellent. Um, they'll be disappointed, obviously, to to have lost to to promotion rivals, but but no shame in, in losing to this Oxford side. They've, they've got a lot of talent, actually. And a few of them weren't even playing in this game. So, yeah, Liam Manning has got a lot of strength in depth. One thing I would point out for XG fans out there, and there's <laughs> a few, <laughs> um, they're punching way above 
what they should according to the stats yeah. that, that they um in open play they're supposed to have scored around six goals they've scored 13 yeah. the reason they've scored 13 is because they've got very talented individuals that have been spanking them in yeah. from from outside the box and, and and from difficult positions so talent is getting them through but um they are a good team really like the um the central midfield axis of Brannigan and McGuane. So, um, yeah, I think Oxford will be for sure in in and around the top six all season. It's just can they get can they get top two? Yeah, I think one of the interesting things for their fans was the switch from the four two three one that they usually play into a three four two one. And Liam Manning saying afterwards that that being able to do that and still perform had shown his team's quality and flexibility. So we'll see if he perseveres with that mm. or he heads back to what he usually plays. In the end, uh, certainly did the job this weekend against Stevenage. OK, let's move on to Reading. It was a goalless draw against Burton. Um, you know, it was a welcome boost, if you like, for Reading. A, a good point for them. They were deducted four points this season for various financial breaches. Um, and they kind of dominated a, a scrappy contest. But... Mm. For the second home game running, the Reading fans staged a protest against the controversial owner Dai Yong by throwing tennis balls onto the pitch in the 16th minute. Uh, Dai Yong has admitted he's willing to sell up to the right uh, owner, right new offer, if you like, if that does come in. The Berkshire outfit placed under another transfer embargo on Friday after failing to settle an outstanding tax bill. You know, the, at the start of the season, you kind of felt that this more of this would would come, how it would affect the club as a whole. I know there were some Reading fans fearing their existence full stop. I think we've now hit the point with Dai Yong kind of openly admitting that he, he wants offers, that there might not be much money left in terms of where Reading are headed. It, it is a worrying development, Adrian, if you like. Yeah, very worrying because he keeps paying the players late. He's now missed a tax bill payment, you know, if he hasn't got the money and it doesn't sound like he has, he's having to sort of borrow it from here and there to get things done. That is unsustainable over a longer period of time. He, he needs to find someone quickly, but, but the issue is, do, do we want quick fixes or do we want the right people to come in? Yeah. You know, I still, I still think that, that the EFL has, has more of a responsibility or the government as well with that white paper that came out. They've got to, fast track things so that we get something in place where the the, the ownership tests are far more stringent because yeah. Dai Yong is, is just one of many, many owners that just haven't benefited the club. They've yeah. taken them backwards. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people don't listen to us for politics, Adrian. <laughs> uh, and we've got, you know, we've got party conferences going on at the moment. But I do think <laughs> as a football fan, what I'm seeing and as a journalist, what I'm seeing is, you know, with a looming general election in 2024, you see that the, the the government, if you like, they don't want to make the big decisions over football in case it does impact some football clubs and they can't spend next summer the way that they want to and they can't get the big name signings in and fans turn around and say, and I know it's a, a strange thing to say, but in a way you politicians have stopped us from going on and achieving what we want to achieve. That's not going to be a vote winner. But it means that we're seeing heels being dragged when they shouldn't be. This should have been addressed long before when we saw the likes of Berry and Macclesfield, you know, losing their existence. And and that should have been addressed then and there as quickly as possible. We've had the white paper, we've had um, every investigation and, and, and recommendation, and yet nothing is really being done. For me personally, as a journalist, as a fan, it's just not good enough at this point in time. And if, if Reading is one of the clubs that's affected by the inaction 
you know, for me, that's unforgivable, you know, and, and I'm just fingers crossed that that doesn't end up coming to fruition. But anyway, I could go on and yeah. on about it. <laughs> I, I won't do that. I won't annoy you. I'll move on. We'll come back to another couple of stories in League One and, of course, do League Two uh, before we end. But you're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. This is EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. I'm Hugh Wisencroft alongside the former Southend and Stevenage midfielder Adrian Clark. Let's round off, Adrian, our conversation from League One. Uh, Fleetwood won. Leighton Orient nil. Jack Marriott with the only goal of the game. And Fleetwood finally have their first win of the season. A lot of pressure from Leighton Orient. Um, but Fleetwood were just about able to cling on. It leaves them three points away from being out of the relegation zone. Um, there was a bit of a change of shape from Fleetwood in this game. Josh Vella got a little bit closer to Jack Marriott, made them more of a threat. That was kind of one of the key tactical switches. How did you view the the game and how they managed to get the victory? Yeah, it, well, it was a nice goal, a nice winning goal for, from Jack Marriott. Uh, Quintana, who who has been really bright for them across the last few games, a young player with um, with a bit of talent in midfield. He he he, cut, he drives down the left and, and squares it for Marriott, who finishes. Really, really nicely. See, it, look, it's a boost for for Lee Johnson. First win for him. First goal at home. I mean, we're in October, and they hadn't scored at Highbury in the entire season. Fleetwood, which tells you where mm. the the problems have lied. But they've got good forwards. I mean, Jack Marriott is excellent at that level. Jaden Stockley too. So, I actually feel under Lee Johnson that they'll climb the table. I'm quite confident um, that that they've got enough to get themselves out of the current predicament and actually the same applies to Leighton Orient I know this is a disappointing result for them I know Richie Wellens was frustrated but mm. but yeah I, I think Leighton Orient after what they did last season in League Two he hasn't changed it up that much um, but I, I think they're good enough to to get up towards mid-table both of these yeah, we, we've wasted three points was the analysis that Richie <laughs> Wellens gave. Uh, very disappointed, but a good win for Fleetwood to get off the mark. Um, Wickham 2, Carlisle United nil. Luke Lee and Sam Vokes scoring at either side of halftime. It was a 10-man Carlisle, and this was maybe the, the funniest moment of the weekend. The Carlisle goalkeeper, Jockel Anderson, sent off in the 29th minute handling outside of his area but it was one of those Sam Vokes standing behind the goalkeeper you know he's behind you all of that pantomime stuff <laughs> managed to dart in front of the goalkeeper and as he tried to knock it around him all Jokel Anderson could do is stick out an arm to stop him from actually going around him and put it putting it in the back of the net um, he'll be massively annoyed with that red card but in the end the result is one defeat in seven for the chair boys and the confidence <laughs> starting to flow for Matt Bloomfield yeah, and there was a period not long ago where he couldn't win on a weekend. It was a really, really strange stat, <laughs> but he, he had all his wins. We're in midweek, and every time he got to a weekend, Wickham couldn't win a game. But um, that's turned around lately. And and yeah, look, Sam Vokes has won Wickham this game with that piece of quick thinking. I, I mean, I loved it. I mean, yeah, as a forward player myself, you know, it's always good when you can sort of hoodwink a keeper. And he's fallen for it. He's so badly, Andreessen. It was um, he didn't see him. He's he's rolled it out, and and I love the way that Vokes sprinted to to get there. And yeah, it was a it was a definite red. And 
and Vokes ended up scoring the second goal of the game to seal it. So, um, yeah, onwards and upwards, I think, for, for Wickham. Carlisle are finding the going a bit tough, aren't they, at the moment? Mm-hmm. Step up from League Two is 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 proving difficult. J- just not enough goals in the team. They, they don't get blown away by anyone. Mm-hmm. They're well organised, etc., but they're not scoring enough. And if you don't score enough, you'll be down the bottom of the table. Into League Two, then we go, uh, Adrian. Colchester, five. Not they can score. four. They can <laughs> score. Uh, this was a stunning result in League Two. The game had just about everything. Ben Garner kind of held the spirit and togetherness of his side to hold on despite that 79th minute red card for McGeehan. But it was madness and it was a huge win for Colchester. Look, I think fans of both teams got their money's worth here, didn't they? Mm. Blimey. What a game. 5-4. And the quality of the goals, Hugh, was, was just extraordinary, really. Um, Chilvers scored from about 40 yards after the keeper had sort of played it to him. It was a bad clearance, but it was it was a good finish. But then we saw uh, Fevrier, the wing-back, lovely solo goal. Arthur Reed gets a double. I mean, one of the best doubles you could ever see mm-hmm. um, from the coach to midfielder. Curls a left footer over the wall and then a stonking strike from distance in the second half. So, yeah, that really, really good day for Cole Yu. Um, they They kind of needed it, but but they're heading in the right direction. For Notts County, they're a bit like Wrexham. They score tons and concede tons, but but most weeks they get on the right side of it. This time, this time they couldn't quite manage it. Notts County playing third place Swindon tomorrow. They will need to oh. bounce back immediately. Big, big goals game. in that game, Hugh. Exactly. Um, and there were goals uh, at the race course. Wrexham three, Crew three this weekend. Uh, we saw Paul Mullin uh, with his first goal since injury. He could be massively important. The Wrexham boss, Phil Parkinson, said if we hadn't got a draw, it would have been a bit of an injustice. But it was another incredibly dramatic and entertaining game this weekend. Look, Wrexham can't defend. I don't know what's up with them because they've got good defenders and Parkinson's a shrewd, shrewd coach. They can't defend. But what they have got is unbelievable firepower and great character, Mm. real heart. With 10 men, they took it to crew and and, and managed to come back. And look, I think if a Wrexham fan turned up for a game and there were less than six goals, they'd they'd, they'd feel shortchanged, you know, next week because... That's what it seems to be every single week at the race course. The highlight for me was Mullins' overhead kick, just magnificent. Um, but also the dramatic equaliser, 95th minute, Stephen Fletcher. We've seen him do it for donkey's years, haven't we? Climbs highest at the fast stick, and it was a really, really good header to break Crew's hearts. But yeah, another cracker. League two is blinding this year, honestly. I don't know who's going to go up. I don't know who's <laughs> going to go down, but but there's there are a lot of, of outstanding matches. Yeah, Crawley 3-0 against Sutton. Joint top with the leaders, Notts County, on 20 mm. points. Dream start to their League 2 campaign. Uh, mm. Absolutely fantastic. Salford City ended a six-match losing run as well by beating Newport County. We saw Barrow beat Doncaster Rovers this weekend as well. So loads of great stories. But Adrian, we've run out of time. Oh. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> Just about time to tell you all. we got some live and exclusive action on TalkSport 2 this week in the EFL. Wednesday night, 7.45 kickoff. A big one at the top of the championship between Leicester and Preston. Friday night, Birmingham against West Brom exclusively here uh, as well on TalkSport 2. And a reminder, you can listen to us every Monday from 6pm on TalkSport 2. If you miss any of the shows, listen back on the TalkSport app and they'll also be available as a podcast which you can download wherever you get your podcast from. Just search EFL All Access.